You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones going to the other side, wide open, and look at this, caught by the rookie Andrew Thomas. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Craggy Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and I am without the Cranky Fan tonight. Um, that over there is just an image from a previous episode. Um, and um, yeah, he's in New Orleans tonight, living it up, uh, dealing with his Florida Gators going to LSU and whatever. And I'm sure drinking off a Ray's loss. But welcome anyway to the show. This is episode 250. And it's just me. So, sorry about that. That sucks. Um, but you know what else sucks is this team. Uh, <laughs> the Giants really limped out of Dallas uh, on Sunday. And, um, I mean, that's really it. They limped out of there both metaphorically and actually. Um, legitimately. The biggest thing on everybody's mind right now, I think probably, is Daniel Jones progressing through the concussion protocol. And um, I guess I guess it's a combination of because of how bad it looked when Jones got racked. Um, and I guess the fact that he is the quarterback, he is the team... And then also combined with the fact that this team is now one and four, a lot of people don't want Jones to play, um, or just think that he shouldn't. Um, and I, 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 I guess I kind of agree that like in a in a perfect scenario, you wouldn't be running out um, a player to play or rushing them back, I guess, or or whatever, not giving them adequate rest to fully recover, I guess. But the but the fact of the matter is that like this kind of injury is not the sort of thing that Giants trainers just have full authority over and full control over. Like they they can't theoretically rush Daniel anyone. They can't rush anyone out of the con- concussion protocol. Like independent doctors um, that are not affiliated with the NFL or the Giants for that matter. Um, well, I, I guess they're affiliated with the NFL, but they're they're not. I think they're the regular doctors that do work for the NFL like once a week or some some bullshit like that. whatever. The point is they're unbiased doctors that are just trying to make the best diagnosis they can for their patient and how they progress through this five-step protocol, which most concussion stuff is based on uh, – I guess your progress in terms of recovery is based on how your body reacts and what symptoms occur the days that follow doing things. I mean – um, so I, I guess like the first step is just how you are in the morning after getting concussed, if you feel okay. Um, and then, you know, they, they gradually work you through some slight aerobic exercises. Um, and, you know, it, I, it's just not cardiovascular exercises and stuff like that. No weights, nothing like that. Um, you know, and just then it just becomes how are you the next day? We're going to make you move in movements that resemble football. How do you feel the next day? Then you can practice in a limited capacity, which is non-contact, which for Daniel Jones is, again, in theory, always non-contact anyway. So as of this recording, which is Thursday, um, you're listening to this on Friday, you may already know, or um, it may be coming out immediately after this, how Daniel Jones has progressed through the protocol because on Thursday he practiced in a limited capacity. 
I guess I'm of the opinion that if he clears the concussion protocol, are you putting him at an adverse risk or a regular game risk out there? Um, you know, to me, the main reason that Daniel Jones got concussed in this game is um, not having Andrew Thomas, really. I mean, putting Nate Solder and Matt Parrott on the field, putting Nate Solder on the blind side, um, it required a lot of creative bullshit. Um, I mean, I, I, I went on a, on a tear on the defining drive, breaking down the play in which he actually did get concussed, the plays that preceded it, and, and why I think that it had... It, it's. I, I think it was said somewhere that... Uh, Daniel Jones called that audible, but again, the play calling down there, I mean, he's calling it audible off of a play that was called from the sideline for the, like, fourth time in a row. Um, So, you know, he doesn't call the audible. He probably doesn't get hurt, but he shouldn't have had to call the audible to begin with. doesn't really matter. But to me is, what is the situation you're putting Daniel Jones out there? I mean, yes, I know Aaron Donald's. There's always going to be a defender that's, I mean, you can't put him out there against him. But, like, it comes down to, do, do do you feel like he is being adequately protected? In that game, he was not. But every other game leading up to that, I feel like Daniel Jones was adequately protected in which he could protect himself. You know, he, he didn't have people on him so immediately he couldn't even protect himself by trying to move or, I, I guess, protecting vital parts, you know? Um, so essentially, my whole thing boils down to if Daniel Jones c- clears the concussion protocol and Andrew Thomas is playing, and there are no other significant injuries on the offensive line to start, then he should play. It's They're only one in four. I'm not saying that Giants fans should have hopes of going to the playoffs, but coaches should coach to win. And I am not really convinced that aside from putting him in actual harm's way where you really don't have NFL linemen in front of him, um, I don't know that there's a difference. You know, once he's passed that concussion protocol, I don't know if if that next hit, if that theoretical next hit happens Sunday or three weeks from now or three years from now, I don't know that there's a significant difference in what that re-injury period is. And quite frankly, we don't really know that much about concussions. Um, if this were later in the year and they were as so far out of it as we expect them to be, then I would say sit him. But it's early enough in the year where I don't know that you're really protecting Daniel Jones from anything. Um, I do understand if this were a different injury needing to protect Daniel Jones from himself. But because of the nature of this concussion and, and the system that the NFL has, I'm comfortable with Joe Judge making a football decision. Um, but again, if they trot his ass out there with Nate Solder on the left side and Matt Parrott on the right side or whatever... If Andrew Thomas isn't playing, I don't know that I want him out there. And that's I think that's where I land. I understand the fans' point of view, um, but I also I don't think I'm a doctor, so like I don't think that I know more than them. And if and if an independent doctor clears somebody, then I just I take them for it because I don't know any better. So um That said, we don't know if either of those guys are playing. (laughs) The injury list this week is, um, I don't know, what's a good word for it? Um, It's like a wizard scroll 
You know, when they like pull shit out of their their sleeve and it just unfurls this like eight foot thing. That's kind of what the Giants injury list looks like. Um, and that's not even including Rodarius Williams being put on IR, uh, torn ACL. That really sucks. He was playing so much better than I expected. Um, I mean, getting getting reps this early would have shocked me. But you know, I mean, he's virtually starting on Sunday. Uh, that's crazy. Um, but the most significant injuries, um, I guess, are the did not practice guys. Kenny Galladay is a hyperextended knee. The play in which that happened, he was essentially playing defense, um, <laughs> trying to break. A, I mean, Jones was running for his life, kind of threw a bad pass. It was more to the corner than to him. And you could see when he fell and he got up, he was flexing the knee and he was kind of limping around on it. Um, but that's a hyperextension. I, I think he's definitely out. I think there's no way he's playing. And again, this is the situation where you need to now protect a player from himself um you know it's you know (laughs) once you can walk and run on it it comes down to like are you gonna re-injure this (laughs) you know just by just by running already um and cutting let alone getting hit in a in a body part that is always going to be hitting the ground and stuff um saquon barkley there's zero percent chance i think of him playing i don't know if he's already been ruled out but he shouldn't play, in my opinion. That's a very, I wouldn't say severely, but it's a bad sprain. Um, and, uh, you know, if he were a mere mortal, he would be struggling to walk on Sunday, let alone attempting to run. Uh, but he's not, so I'm sure that's another one where they're going to be like, we're going to sit you for at least a week. I think he's probably, if Booker and Brightwell and I guess Penny to some extent. I think over the next couple of weeks, if they show promise, if they show that they're they're handling the workload, I think they can take it a little easy on Barkley um, and monitor him a little more honestly. Um, espe- oh, and also, especially if they get some wins. But at the end of the day, if they're getting wins because they Daniel Jones is just throwing like a madman and the defense finally woke up and but we still can't run the ball, then I still think they're going to try and rush Barkley back. In fact, I think that fuels them to rush him back because they snuck in a couple wins to, to even themselves out, and now they'll view it as a chance to get ahead of the sticks. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the running game to, to maintain its mediocrity <laughs> or achieve mediocrity would be great um, without Barkley. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, also, uh, we might be looking at Sterling Shepard coming back. Darius Slayton as well, both recovering from hamstring injuries. You know, Kadarius Tony's dealing with an ankle. I think the fact that he played through it on Sunday means that he's a full go, especially with Kenny Galladay out. Um, it just may be that they're not going to rely so friggin' heavily on Tony. And I think this is really cool because um, we've seen enough of Tony to know that it really becomes he's a one-on-one quickness guy that i think very few defense or defenders in the league uh can match up with one-on-one so it becomes a just get him in space just get him in space and that really opens up what you can do with tony uh he's not restricted to the slot um in terms of effectiveness in the same way that sterling shepherd is not saying that he's an outside wide receiver or anything like that it's just that Running a wide receiver screen with Sterling Shepard might be effective. Running one with Kadarius Tony is going to be effective more likely than not, even if the blocking isn't very good. Um, 
And there, therein lies like kind of the differences. Just the same as Sterling Shepard has a more natural and experienced feel for zones, and then also possesses you know really really good yak ability to start and stop and turn a you know a sit down route into you know off to the races. Uh, whereas Kadarius Tony is still learning all that stuff. I mean, he has been picking up the route tree steadily year by year since he was a freshman, and he was coming into Florida as like a quarterback. So, um, yeah, this is a cool opportunity for them. To, we, we can potentially see both of them on the same uh, on the field at the same time and in working in somewhat interchangeable ways, uh, and that's pretty awesome. And they've they've already got you know. I wouldn't say the tall guy replacement for Kenny Galladay and Colin Johnson, but they have outside wide receiver to pair with Darius Slayton in the absence of Kenny Galladay, along with CJ Board, by the way, who is still and John Ross. Um, you know, they they have they have no number one wide receiver without Kenny Galladay, but they have plenty of fill-in stuff for the game here or there that they're going to be without these guys, which is pretty cool. They have some pretty decent depth. Um, I'm hoping that Matt Skura is better. Uh, Wes Martin was okay, but um, I I don't want to see Ben Bredesen come back, I don't think. And I don't know if he was playing hurt the whole time he was playing or if he just came out when he got hurt, but he was just god-awful at all points. I'm hoping Jabril Peppers is back. He was limited also with his hamstring injury. He did not play last week, and it showed, um, I, I think, in the run game, but also even in coverage. Although I was surprised at how little Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin ate us up. Nate Ebner's hurt, uh, quad injury. That's a special teams thing. I think we'll survive. <laughs> I'm, I'm least worried about that. And, um, you know, like I said, Andrew Thomas, like, is he going to be there? Um, limited is, is pretty good, I guess. He's been limited so far all week. I'm hoping that he can sneak in a full practice today when you're hearing this on Friday before the weekend and that he recovers just fine. It would be, even if Jones doesn't play, I mean, he is probably the most important piece, I guess, left now. I mean, with with guys like Gates, he's the most important piece on the offensive line and it's not close. It's not close. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how you win no matter who if Russell Wilson's the quarterback. I don't know how you win no matter what without Andrew Thomas on this line. Um, and I guess lastly, Logan Ryan's dealing with a bit of a hip issue. He was uh, limited as well. I'm, I don't know. Logan Ryan hasn't been good so far this year, but I don't think that that's a him thing. I think that's a scheme thing. And I think that's a little bit of, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a scheme thing. Um, we haven't we haven't figured out how to deploy the talent that we've acquired this year, um, and that is not an excuse. That is, I think, just a nice way of putting it. Uh, and I think it's honest. I think it, I think it's simply that Patrick Grant hasn't figured out how to use the guys that he needed yet. Um, and part of that is because the defensive line isn't as good. There's no edge rushers. He's trying to figure that all out. Um, but at the end of the day, players got to play, right? For the Rams, um, Aaron Donald has not practiced. He's dealing with a knee issue. I think there is a potential that he is set because this is a cakewalk game for them, even without him. Um, and the fact that they're 4-1. and one. 
I or rather he plays but in such a limited capacity and you know they increase his reps as needed based on game situation you know use him a little sparingly and then you know oh shit they're within seven after that score next defensive series I want you out there go destroy things and then you know stop us go up another seven you're up by 14 sit him back down again maybe something like that um Andrew Whitworth is just resting same with uh cornerback Lewis um Honestly, Rams are pretty healthy. And for me, uh, how how what are the keys to for the Giants to win against the Los Angeles Rams? Well, um the more keys you got, the further you are from winning. <laughs> I have a lot of keys on offense. Um I have even more on defense, I think. On offense, they need to contain Aaron Donald. Uh, I know they're not going to neutralize him. We need to accept that fact. But they need to find a way to at least slow him down, whether it's putting multiple guys on him or moving Jones away from him. I mean, we haven't seen too many plays designed where Jones takes a snap and immediately rolls out to his right and throws from there. And I know you don't want to change the launch point all the time so that you're cutting the field in half, but... Mixing that in every once in a while can help against edge rushers, can help against guys. I mean, you can scheme scheme those things to trap those players, slow them down. Um, but th- you have to do it in a variety of ways because if you just keep putting multiple guys on him, the Rams are just going to blitz or something. They'll find a way. Sean, Sean McVay is not a, a silly coach. so um, Jones needs to prepare to move from him on just about every play. More importantly... Since I expect Donald to win reps no matter what the Giants do, they need to keep Leonard Floyd under control. Um, If pressure comes from up the middle, that's fine as long as Jones has somewhere to escape and he's most likely going to try to escape to this path that's right in front of him. That's the right side where we see a lot of Leonard Floyd uh, lineups. Um, I know that they're not going to be able to keep Aaron Donald under control, which means they have to keep Leonard Floyd under control. And that is really going to be the big matchup to watch. And whether that's Pear out there, or that's Solder, or whether Leonard Floyd lines up on the on the left side across from Andrew Thomas, it doesn't matter who's blocking him. They need to make sure that Aaron Donald is the only problem on the play. Because no matter who it is, Jones can run away from just about any defender as long as it's only one. Um, so... That's really the big thing. And Leonard Floyd has been pretty okay so far this year. Um, But this Rams defense, they're not as good as they used to be. Um, I don't think, anyway. They're playing really well. But, I mean, just talent-wise, I I don't know. They need to... The Giants need to test this defense deep. Because, you know, Jalen Ramsey, we get it. He's the cream of the crop, just the same as Aaron Donald is. But, like... The Rams are trotting out Robert Rochelle and David Long across from him. And, uh, yeah. I mean, if neither of those names really ring a bell, it's because one's a rookie and because one's not very good. I mean, quite frankly. And and they don't even really seem to... I, I think at one point David Long was lined up against A.J. Green, and David Long is 5'10", so he's shorter than me. Um, that is a huge mistake. I don't know how in any universe you have AJ Green lined up against him, but that actually happened, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure anyway. I watched the game. I just was like, what the? Um, and also Taylor Rapp. I haven't been super impressed with this year. From everything, I, I watched the last three Rams games. 
And uh, I was not super impressed with Taylor Rapp either. So if the Giants are going to win, it's going to be testing this defense deep. They need to spread them all out and they need to go deep or get guys free underneath with some space. Um, And another key to this game, they got to score, man. Giants got to score. They're not scoring this year and... There are a few teams in this league that the only way you're going to win is by outscoring them. Dallas is one of them, man. And that was probably the easiest of all of them because their defense stinks. They're the easiest one to score on. Um, The Rams are another one. The Rams are going to put up over 30 points against this defense, I think. (laughs) I could end the sentence there. But, I mean, if if they play... At the best that they have played so far this year, I think the Rams still put up 30 points. Uh, They've never been good this year, but they've been better some days than others. Against the Saints, they weren't bad at all. Um, But they they certainly weren't great. And if they play the way they played against the Saints, against the Rams, I think McVay is drawing up 30 points. (laughs) At least. Um, And speaking of that, on defense... They need to do three really difficult things right off the bat. And the first is they need to prevent the big play. The Rams and Stafford, they're going to call it, man. They're going to call it and they're going to run it because it's who they are. Even if it's covered, even if they're winning. This is what this offense is. And they didn't go out and sign Deshaun Jackson to chill on a boat. Um, You know, they signed Deshaun Jackson to be a... I mean, that's all he is. That's all he ever was outside of being a punt returner, kick returner, whatever. He's he's not a, an established route runner or anything. He's fast, and he's really good at deceiving corners into how fast he is. Um, that's most of what Deshaun Jackson is. They're going to just run it, so they need to stop it, and they need to remember to stop it on every play, on every drive, and in every situation. Winning, losing, doesn't matter. Tied. Overtime. First play of the game. They need to neutralize the big play. It's what this offense is. And quite frankly, they're going to be throwing a deep because Matt's, that's always who Matt Stafford has been. And it's actually been the criticism of Matt Stafford in terms of his stats and how we grade him as a quarterback is, well, he just throws up to Calvin Johnson and Calvin Johnson does all the work. And to a certain extent, that's true. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm, I'm also not taking anything away from that. Eli Manning did that. He just never had a Calvin Johnson. But what Matt Stafford does have is just faith in his wide receivers. He's he's the quarterback doesn't mean that he's got to be the one to make the play every time. Throw it to where your your receiver can win and see if he wins. More than likely, it's going to be incomplete if it's not complete, not intercepted. And uh, I don't know. It just it still works for Stafford even without Calvin Johnson. So it's still happening. We're still seeing it, and uh, the Giants need to be prepared for it. They need to. Um, they need to. They, they need to do it in, all, in a variety of ways as well. Because McVeigh will, if, if the Giants are just going to have uh, like bracket coverage with a safety over top on every play and a Dory Jackson covering uh, Deshaun Jackson, and you know over top you have Xavier McKinney on every play, then he's just going to run them deep on every play to open up to, to eliminate two people on the defense. So they need to disguise how they're doing it, and they need to do it in multiple different ways. Uh, and they need to remember to do it all the time. Um, I think the other thing they need to do is control Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. Those guys, that's where the action is going on like 
50 to 75% of every offensive play. I mean, almost every play is a pass, and those are the safety valve receivers in that they're reliable, they run really good routes, and they have decent hands. They get open, they catch the ball. That's it. Most of those plays are them. And when Stafford is in trouble, those are the guys that he is looking to or not looking to and just throwing to. And I guess the flip side of that coin of giving your receivers a chance is that you're a gunslinger, man, and you live and die by your own arm. That's certainly been Matt Stafford throughout his career, and we've seen it thus far in the Rams season. It it has not changed despite settings changing. I mean, you get pressure in his face, and he'll throw behind receivers. It hasn't led to a lot of turnovers, but he's still doing that same thing. Avoid the sack, kind of throw it in the direction of the receiver, and sometimes that's the middle of the field. He just hasn't been unlucky yet. Um, But it's usually in the direction of Cooper Cup, and then besides that, Van Jefferson. Those are the two guys that are... They're kind of the bread and butter. And then Robert Woods will splash in there with with a, a cute little tricksy play. And same thing, Higby will run some crazy tight end screen for 25 yards up the side. I can live and die with Woods and Higby. But, I mean, they're, they're going to... They're going to have to draw up a lot of creative plays if you can shut down Cup and Van Jefferson. So, I mean, make it a Robert Woods dominant game. Make him be the number one receiver. Make Higby be the big gainer, the, the the most catches. I mean, I can live with that. We can't live with Cooper Cup being that guy because he'll have 1,000 yards in this game alone. Um, and then the other thing is that the Giants need to expect with McVay that if it's fourth and four or shorter, he's probably going to go for it. If he's at his own 40 or closer to the Giants' end zone, he's probably going to go for it on fourth and four or shorter. So if you're playing the sticks on third down, you've probably already lost. You're playing a two-down game at that point because go ahead, make it fourth and one. They'll just go for it. And the odds are in their favor and they're better than us. So the Giants need to make third down, third and long, and they need to make third and long end in fourth and is it manageable? You know, fourth and five, fourth and six. Make them. They need to. They just need to stop them. I mean, playing playing Ben don't break. You will break. They will break you. They're better. Um. Frankly, that's something that they're gonna have to. This is not, it's not a sustainable defense in 2021. Uh, I don't think because I think a lot of teams are trending this way. I would say. Many teams are already doing this. A lot of teams, it will soon be a lot of teams doing this on the based on the trend. You know, fourth and four, fourth and three. You put all your assets into your offense to convert that. Give yourself four downs, and you'll have a pretty good team. And uh, this, we've seen it all year. Every team is converted on fourth down on us. I think, except for maybe New Orleans. I don't know. But either way, I can guarantee you the Rams will do it. And they have they have probably a playbook of get these four-yard plays that's thicker than Jason Garrett's playbook, which is also a get these four-yard plays. But um, it, there's not even if we had a talented defense, it would be a struggle, a real struggle to 
maintain on fourth and two, fourth and one. I would, yeah. Even if even if it were good defense against this Rams offense, it would be a struggle. I think this is going to be a shit show, man. Um, Oh, and by the way, Cooper Cup, I would like James Bradbury on him. Just saying, Adoree Jackson can take the speed guy if that's Deshaun Jackson, if that's uh, Robert Woods, whatever. But yeah, I would like I would like Bradbury on Cup, and I'd like Jackson and uh, safety. Maybe Jabril Peppers would be kind of nice. Logan Ryan, some people on on the other guys. Um, but I'd like to match speed with speed. So if Deshaun Jackson's out there, Dory Jackson should be out there, and you should consider some safety help or something. Um, I think this is going to be ugly, man. Uh, I have seen nothing from the Giants' defense that tells me that they can stop anything. Um. And that's really where most of my issue is. My other thing is we don't know shit about Daniel Jones. I think that he's probably going to play. Um, I'm thinking he's going to play. I think Andrew Thomas is going to play. And I think if that's the case, I think they're going to neuter the playbook a little bit. I think they're going to take out all of Daniel Jones's runs. And I think they're going to try and hammer it home to him to throw it away if he starts feeling pressure. Try not to do things. And... If they do that and he listens to him, that's going to be like every play, man. I don't know. Like, if Glennon plays, I think they technically have more of a shot because I think they're going to keep the full playbook open except for, again, Daniel Jones' runs. But that's due to ability, not conservatism. So I think this is bad. Uh, I think I think the Rams actually end up slowing down simply because the score is so out of reach and – they're just, you know, let's let's just get home without getting hurt, kind of thing. And I think this one ends thirty-eight to sixteen, Rams. The cranky fan may not be here, but he did text me, and uh, we were talking about all this stuff, which we actually normally don't. Uh, we we have like a quick five-minute powwow before the episode where we kind of outline the things we want to talk about without going into detail what we're gonna say, um, and uh, the order in which we want to do it. And we don't usually discuss things. You know, we might send each other like uh, an article, be like, hmm, or I want to talk about this, you know, whatever. Um, but no real discussion until we're actually on the pod. So this is usually a raw, genuine conversation you guys are hearing. But he did text me and he said that I think the Giants are in for a long afternoon. I don't know how we are going to handle the Aaron Donald and our civil defense might get really torched. Even if Jones play, I'm afraid with play calling, we'll be very conservative with limited amount of playmakers available. And I think we lose 41 to 10. Actually more pessimistic than me. Wow, that is goddamn depressing. Um, Around the league, uh, tonight, Tampa Bay is playing Philadelphia in about... 20 minutes actually from the time of this recording and uh i want you to know that oh yeah also it's 806 hang on let me clear all my notifications here's my my proof i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know if you can even see that i also don't care it's eight o'clock um and i'm picking tampa bay wow what a champion all all of that dumb shit i just did was just a yeah, and now, now watch Philadelphia win too. But I'm, I'm picking Tampa Bay to win. Dallas is playing New England. Eh, what's New England? The fact that they're playing in New England means nothing to me. Right now, I think Dallas is just on such a roll, and I think they're going to keep on rolling. Um, 
but I still don't think as much of them as the media does. You know, if that weren't the star on the helmet, I think they're just passing mention about how good they are. Like, um, who's playing insanely? Like, Arizona's playing really well. Not hearing a whole lot about that. Just kidding. Anyway. Kansas City is facing facing Washington in Washington. I'm still picking Kansas City for this, but I am feeling justified in in saying in the offseason that I didn't think Kansas City was going to be it this year. And they are struggling. They still can be. They're still really, really good. And I think I'm getting a better sense of what the NFC East is now. I'm getting the feeling that Washington and the Giants are a lot more similar in terms of where they are as a rebuild than um than I thought. And that's actually, you know, that's pretty that's pretty sad considering Washington's about two years into a rebuild. Um and the Giants are like four. Um but if you ask a cranky fan, it's about three. Uh the moment that Daniel Jones took a snap, uh, according to him. But whatever. Uh I still think Kansas City is better than Washington because they're still better than us. Um, the fact that this is played in Washington means very little to me other than somebody key might get hurt on that shitty field. Um, that's really going to be it for this episode. I apologize. Um, listening to me for 30 minutes has got to be grating. I do my best. Um, but this is probably the last time that, uh, I'm going to have to do a solo episode, um, just because the Rays lost and are out of contention. So there's a lot less travel that's going to be going on that's going to conflict with episodes. Anyway, none of that matters. If you'd like to follow the Cranky Fan and his expeditions across the country for college games, baseball, and hockey games, and Giants games with me, you can follow him on Twitter, at the Cranky Fan. But if you want to just follow ramblings of me, um, a stressed out and overly critical and... Pretty pretty angry Giants fan. You can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I'm pretty much active every single day. I do my best to answer everybody that an- that replies to me. Um, so you can reach out to me on there. I'm probably gonna answer you. Um, I appreciate you guys watching. We will see you guys at the game. I will be at the game. Cranky fan will not because he'll be in Louisiana, but um, I'll be there wandering around Jameson room, getting pissed drunk before the game to make the game itself feel a lot less like surgery all right we'll see you guys next time go giants